Well, I never thought I'd be a missionary. <laughs> Good morning, church. Good morning. Ah, I can see you now. <laughs> My name's Steve. Hello, Steve. Hello, ah, Steve. there you are. <laughs> uh, somebody told me yesterday that when Lindsay got married in Honduras, they imagined some really good-looking Latino. <laughs> and I turned up, so that was a disappointment for them. But <laughs> never mind. <laughs> uh, I'm from a small town just outside of London in England, uh, and I have been to the US before, so you could say this is not my first rodeo, I think. <laughs> Uh, I actually did visit um, a cowboy church a while back, uh, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. Uh, when they came in, they greeted you with uh, the hats on and everything, and uh, they said, Howdy, partner in Christ! <laughs> so, it was just fantastic. And uh, in the name of Christ, yeehaw! <laughs> so I'm expecting something like that today. Um, Okay. <laughs> I'd like to say thank you uh, as well to everybody for extending such a warm and sincere welcome to me. I know you all know Lindsay since she's been that tall, or at least most of you. And so thank you for, for wel welcoming me, making me feel so at home, particularly as well to Pastor Michelle, uh, for, for wheeling us in and giving us a very good grilling the other day, just checking, checking out that I'm okay, I think. <laughs> Uh, and before I start, I thought just a little uh, thing. Um, Lindsay and I have joined a, a mission society called Church Mission Society, uh, and it's based uh, in the UK, uh, and they're the people that make sure we do things right and uh, get our residency done right. They make sure we get paid properly, all that sort of thing. Uh, and that organization was started in 1799, uh, a little bit after... Uh, your great country's independence, but the less we say about that, the better, I think. Um, <laughs> and so we're, we're becoming part of uh, a great legacy that this organization has, and uh, God's call uh, on our lives and on our lives as well uh, as a church. So thank you. Uh, today I'd like to talk about loving despite. Loving despite various things. The first thing is loving despite the people we serve. People are annoying. <laughs> no offense. I find people annoying anyway <laughs> when they don't do things the way I want them to. <laughs> and uh, 1 John 4.19, you'll all know this one. We love because, because he first loved us. The Passion translation just says it in a slightly different way. It's really interesting. It says... Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. I'll say that again. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. When we're showing love to people, when we're serving people, it's not because we're better than them. It's not because we've got it all sorted. We needed that love first as well. We might have more resources, we might have more experience, we might have different ideas. But in a sense, we're no better than the people we're serving. 
we're all on this same journey. I think we're probably slightly further down that journey, and that's why we're able to serve, why we're able to show this love. And our key verse today, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. I am very impatient, (laughs) and I'm learning that God isn't. Instead, he is patient with you, with me, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I'd like to get things done. I like to see results. And I know lots of other people like to see results, particularly my bosses. (laughs) But sometimes we need to slow down, give other people the opportunity to understand what is love. Also, when we're serving and loving despite the people we serve, Philippians 2, 4, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you the interests of the others. We've got to think about other people. (laughs) What do they actually want? When we're serving in Honduras, it's very easy to think, well, if we just do things our way, it'll work much better. Might be true here in the US, might be true over there in the UK, but we have to be culturally sensitive and understand what is right in this context. It's not about us and what we want to do. It's what the Lord wants us to do, which is really hard. (laughs) I don't know if you uh, remember the story in Exodus 16. I love this one, and it just, it chimes with me. I'll read it to you. There's just a couple of verses. It's, uh, the whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. That's an important point there. In the desert, this is the bit, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron, their leaders. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. It's amazing. They're saying, we'd rather be slaves than be free. (laughs) I'd rather live in my comfort. I'd rather live in what I'm used to than stepping into genuine freedom. Does that sound like you? (laughs) It sounds like me. And when we're serving others, have you ever known them to be ungrateful? (laughs) To not recognize where you can see them going? We need to keep loving despite their lack of perspective, despite the fact that they are not yet out of their comfort zone. That's hard. We have seen so many times, Lindsay and I, with the young people we serve, just take stupid decisions. (laughs) Just want to stay in their comfort zone. One of the boys, Christian, you'll see a photo of him later. One of his favorite phrases is, Steve, what have you ever done for me? (laughs) 
When he's angry, when he's in a good mood, he does recognize it. But <laughs> what have you ever done for me? And sometimes I want to answer, well, you've got a place to live because of me. You've finished your education because of me. You've got somebody who loves you because of me. Anyway, the list goes on. It's like, why don't you get it? But the Bible does say that people aren't necessarily going to be grateful. Luke 6.35, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Feels a bit extreme calling these people evil and that's not the point I'm making here. The point I'm making is whatever intentions we have, whatever way we want to lead people, we need to have a bit more patience. We need to have God's perspective in this situation. It's not about me and what I can get or what I can control or what I can help people develop. It's about what seeds we can sow that God will then make grow. That unintentionally rhymed. I quite enjoyed that. (laughs) The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We work with kids who who have suffered trauma and have suffered greatly in their lives. And I know this myself as well. We need time to understand what love is. I went to um, my mentor's house for dinner for seven years on a Monday evening from the age of 13 to 20, more or less. And it was in those seven years that I learned really what belonging felt like. It wasn't overnight. And yes, I made bad decisions, silly decisions. I made good decisions as well in that time. But it needed time for me to understand on an intellectual basis, on a worldly basis, what does love mean? And then I could recognize godly love and eternal love. And so when we're serving others, maybe we need a bit of patience. I do. I'm certainly talking to myself here. Don't just look for quick answers or quick solutions, but what is God's perspective on this? What is the true solution that will be everlasting? So loving despite the people we serve, even though they're argumentative, even though they're annoying, even though they're ungrateful. And Lindsay's smiling here because she knows exactly who I'm talking about. (laughs) There's a few young people that we have lots of discussions with. (laughs) But we're called to love. And we're called to love because we first were loved. So loving people despite, sorry, loving despite the people we serve. Second, loving despite opinions. We have some friends, some good friends of us in Honduras, they're Honduran. And just after our wedding, they sat us down and they said, Steve and Lindsay, we love you, but. (laughs) 
we have some comments about your ministry. And it was hard to sit there and listen to somebody criticizing not just our job, but what, what is our passion and what is what we feel is our calling. And for them just to say, you're doing this wrong, 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 oh, and that wrong as well. And it's easy in that moment to become defensive and say, you're wrong. We are doing this right. Look, this is the Bible, and this is what it says, and you're right. I know Lindsay is much better at arguing her case. I'm much better at just sitting down and listening. <laughs> Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. It's not to say we shouldn't listen to what people have to say, but we need to keep our peace, keep calm. And sometimes that's hard when somebody's at you saying, you're doing everything wrong. Your entire life, what you've based on, doesn't make sense. How do we not react negatively to that? If anyone has the answer, please let me know. One suggestion is that we learn to identify the difference between fact and opinion. What is someone's opinion about what you do, and then what is actually true? What's their perspective, and what's actually true? And that conversation that Lindsay and I had with this friend of ours, she had one perspective, one view of what we're doing. And had I had this 2 Peter 3, 9 verse, I would have brought it out. <laughs> Because she was saying, you've been working with these guys for four years and we've not seen any results. Well, first of all, that's not true. We've seen great strides in these young people. The trauma that they suffered, they're working through. Before, if one of them got annoyed with me, they wouldn't talk to me for four or five days. And now it's just four or five minutes. And that's a huge, huge change. <laughs> really helps to not get offended. <laughs> it really helps to remember what we're doing here. Why are we serving? Galatians 1.10, am I saying this now to win the approval of people or God? Am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be Christ's servant. That's hard <laughs> to hear that. And it's also very tempting for Lindsay and I to come up here and say everything's going really well, it's fantastic, we're loving it, blah, 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 and not be honest and say, actually, it's really hard work <laughs> at times. There are great times as well, but a lot of the time we feel like we're pulling our hair out, thinking these young people are never going to get it. <laughs> but they will. And also remembering this one, you definitely would have heard, Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Just because someone's commenting about what you're doing doesn't mean you have to listen to them. Identify what they're really saying And whether it's worth listening to or not, it's not always. <laughs> Often it's just the heart 
a way of expressing that they care about you and they want you to do better. Sometimes their suggestions are completely useless. <laughs> but again, it's not about me. Don't do what people say just because they say it, but take comments wisely and with the perspective of God's word. If they go around telling you you should go and kill someone, obviously that's not within God's word, so we shouldn't be doing that. Slightly extreme example, but you get what I'm saying, hopefully. We should be loving despite opinions, despite what people say, doing what God has called us to do and stick to that and forget everything else. And finally, loving despite me. Loving despite my mess. Loving despite me not wanting to. Loving despite the fact that I can't. A question, you don't have to answer out loud, but who's more qualified than anyone else to love? No one. <laughs> we go back to that first verse. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. Just because someone's the pastor, just because someone's got loads of money, or just because someone's really good looking. <laughs> They're no more qualified to love than me, than you. Yes, it will look different. Our contexts are very different. It might seem more extreme, Lindsay and I going to this far-flung country. But it's the same principle here in South Bend as it is in London as it is everywhere. And what if I think I'm not good enough, or I can't, or I've done things that are unforgivable? I might just point you to King David in the Bible. He slept with his best friend, sorry, his best friend's wife, and then killed him. Samson wasn't a great example. <laughs> Peter denying Jesus. The Bible is littered with people who made mistakes. Why? Because everybody makes mistakes. And so me not being good enough to serve is not a good enough reason. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I feel the last four years, I've been in Honduras living for four years, that it's been a bit of an experiment from, of muddling through, failing until God has the success, just trying. And as much as I would like to claim the glory and say, look what I've achieved, honestly, I've just not given up. And that's pretty much what I've done. There's a great psalm at 69 and uh, verses 5 to 12, which have really helped me put words to sometimes how I feel when things are not going well. You, God, know my folly. That's a funny word, 
We'll change that to mess. <laughs> you, God, know my mess. My guilt is not hidden from you. Lord, the Lord Almighty, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. May my church not be disgraced by me. May my family not be disgraced because of me. God of Israel, may those who seek you not be put to shame because of me. Even though I don't get it right, don't let me get in the way of showing who you are. Guess what? It's not about me. <laughs> it's not about you. It's about him and what he can do. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. I try to live my life in a way that if God doesn't show up, I'm stuffed. <laughs> That's maybe a British phrase, but you get it. Whether that's with finances, whether that's with where I'm living, whether that's with how I treat my family. There's a difference between being reckless and trusting totally in God, and that's an important distinction to make. But we have to do things in a way that if God doesn't do them, it's a disaster. Because then when things are a disaster, or when they're not, more importantly, we can't take, take the credit. It's what God can do through us, not, not what we can do. Loving despite the people we serve is really hard, because people are annoying. <laughs> not you, you're all wonderful and fantastic. <laughs> loving despite opinions opinions are great but they're different from facts what's the correct perspective on this what's the biblical perspective on somebody's opinion and loving despite me and what I'm not able to do it's not about me it's about the Lord and he'll do that for us. And I hope I don't come across as sort of some holy missionary or whatever talking about it's all about God, blah, 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 and uh, yee-haw, amen, things like that. Um, it really is as simple as that. Just doing what we can, trying. When Pastor Michelle asked for volunteers, saying, well, I'll give it a go, even though I've never done this before. I always remember... I was a youth pastor in England uh, before serving in Honduras. And uh, we would go to an annual camp with our young people. And uh, there was a guy called Charles. And he came out of the 50s. Um, and the way he dressed, he was always in a suit and tie and was just very, very formal. And uh, quite an amazing man. And one day, he, he volunteered to go to the youth camp with us. And I thought, that's a bit weird, but 
okay, we needed someone to drive the minibus, so I said yes. <laughs> he did say, Steve, I'm not going to camp. I'm going to stay in a B&B. <laughs> but anyway, he was who he was, and he didn't change. He came and he helped, and uh, when he turned up, he said, Steve, I'm in my casual clothes. And what he'd done is he just tucked his tie in. <laughs> and we were camping, and he was in a suit and tie the whole time. It was just fantastic. And he's very formal and very proper. Always had a cup of tea with him. And the complete opposite of what you think young people would like. But what he was was genuine. And when a young person did something stupid, he told them. <laughs> he said, why are you doing that? That's stupid. And they're not used to such sincerity. <laughs> And so over that week, they, le they just loved him. And I think it's because he got it. He said, Steve, I was a churchgoer for 20 or 30 years, and then I became a Christian. Then I came to know Jesus. So we can serve, whether that's in the church, whether that's in our family, whether that's in our job, or in our school. It doesn't matter who we are, really, because we're just trying to reflect who God is. And as long as we're trying and doing with it within what the Bible says, we can't go too far wrong. So love despite the people we serve, love despite people's opinions, and love despite me, us. Thank you.